Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Super Seasons. This week we're taking you back to the mid-90s, to the 1993-94 season as Barcelona won their 14th league title in the most dramatic of fashions. This episode was originally recorded in July 2019. The full archive is available exclusively for patrons at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Hello patrons, welcome to another edition of TSFP Presents Super Seasons. We are in the, the studio, studio. We're in the Podmobile, we're in a shaded car park. Uh, last week we were uh, recording inside a, uh, a shopping centre which was a little bit noisy so we thought right okay we'll go back into the Podmobile. It is unbelievably hot still in Madrid but yeah. nevertheless uh, we are going to brave the Podmobile and make it a bit steamy. Perhaps it's going to be a bit like a sauna. Was, was this a steamy month. season? Do you think this was quite that a steamy was. season? We called it steamy seasons, yes. couldn't we? Anyway, 1993-94 was pretty steamy, feisty, saucy, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it. It I, I know that every single episode we say yeah. this was the most dramatic finale ever, but I feel like <laughs> in terms of being distilled into one moment, yes. this is maybe the best finale ever. This may, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves too much because we will it, you know, develop the story and come on to this. Sure. But this may be the single most significant mm. kick in the history of Spanish club I like football. that. I like that, Sid. Wow. Okay. Well, it was Barcelona who ended up winning the uh, title. How? We'll see in just a moment. It was their fourth consecutive uh, title in uh, Johan Cruyff's sixth season uh, in charge. Uh, their squad, I mean, it was quite a squad when you look down at the uh, at the players involved, all the way from the back, you know, you had uh, Miguel Angel Nadal, Chapi Ferrer, Koeman, Guardiola, Laudrup, Romario and Stoichkov uh, amongst their, uh, their team. And funny enough, one or two players who were also around it for our previous Super Seasons 10 years earlier, but not at Barca. So you had, you had people like Zubi Zaretta in, yes. in goal who was involved. Then you had Baquero who was also involved back in 82-83 uh, as well, but uh, at other clubs. And, you know, that is the season of, you, you've mentioned there, Romario and Stoichkov. That yes. is, you know, that, Romario has an incredibly significant place in Barcelona's history, despite the fact that he was actually only there for 18 months. Mm. And this is his one big season with his great mate Stoichkov, which of course ends with them being the top two scorers at the World Cup. Mm. I mean, Romario this season, 30 goals from 33 appearances. Mm. And that's at a time that, when people didn't score that many And goals. Yeah. that's not, not taking penalties. Mm. Yeah. No penalties there. Mm. Yeah. No, no, incredible. And we'll, we'll talk about him uh, in just a moment because he had some definitely eye-catching uh, appearances. Uh, Real Madrid were coached at the start of the season by Benito Floro. He's one of those sort of... You I know, had to look him up. I was going to say, occasionally, when you look through the lists of Barca and Madrid coaches over the years, you yes. realise, I don't know anything about this man. Yes. He was reckoned to be... Um, there's, there's this line that, was, that is often used to attack him as, as a kind of, if you like, a, a symbol of, of, of the kind of things he was interested in. He was one of these guys that used to talk about the importance of throw-ins. And so people always had him down as this kind of meticulous, if a little bit... A little bit Rafa Benitez. The importance of throw-ins how? You could score goals from throw-ins if you, did, if you get it right. And well, not, a, not a, a Rory de it's more about the way you take it and how swiftly you move it. And, and, but it was just the fact that he would express this openly and, and people thought he was a little bit 
odd. Obviously, Real Madrid had won the uh, Copa del Rey the uh, previous season with him in charge, and indeed they could really probably should have won the league the season mm. before as well. They lost it on the final day of the season. They were leading going into the final day of the season, but uh, but they threw it away. The second of the two, Tenerife. Tenerife, endings, yeah. indeed. The Real Madrid squad had uh, such uh, players in it, big names like uh, Fernando Hierro, Luis Enrique, Ivan Zamorano, and Emilio Butragueño. Uh, Zamorano ended the season as Real Madrid's top goal scorer with eleven goals. Hierro just behind him uh, with ten. You had Alfonso Perez there as well, of course, of the Coliseum fame. Yes. (laughs) Although never played for Getafe, notably. No, No, but he was, he's from Getafe. He he, uh, he, um, still turns out for the Real Madrid legends as well. Uh, He was a good player. He was a really good player. Yeah, he is a legend. Some people who turn up for the legends aren't. No, absolutely. Um, Other contenders for this uh, title, Deportivo La Coruña, of course, this uh, wonderful uh, Super Depot side that we've uh, spoken about previously uh, here on patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Coached by the legendary Arsenio Iglesias. A man with one of the best nicknames. A lot of coaches have got good nicknames, but when you're known as the Wizard... Yeah, Bruchel. I mean, that's yeah. that's decent. <laughs> yeah, the squad had some uh, names that have uh, gone down in, in La Liga history now, obviously. Miroslav Dukic, who's famous... Very famous, and we'll see why uh, a little bit later on. The goalkeeper, by the way, uh, Liano, who um, kept 25 clean yeah. sheets this season. They only conceded 18 goals depot, uh, throughout the season. Quite extraordinary. But uh, amongst the squad, the likes of Fran, Donato, Mauro Silva, Bebeto, uh, mm. playing his second season after finishing Pichichi with 29 goals yeah. the previous And yeah, season. those three Brazilians in particular were oh, fundamental. They were just mega wolf. There's, there's a great story about them trying to... <laughs> mega wolf. <laughs> Woof, woof. There's a great story about them trying to persuade Bebeto to go to, to Acarunia. And Lendoiro, who of course was the, 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 the Deportivo president, who, who made a success, made the, the local roller hockey team European champions, which is how he ends up being involved in Deportivo. Um, Bebeto has a deal to go to Dortmund. He also has an offer to go to Deportivo La Coruña. And this is very clear thing. Well, you know, come on, Dortmund's much bigger. Lendoiro goes to see Bebeto and Bebeto's... Uh, wife, who's the key to this, and says, no, look, Spain's much nicer, it's cold, it's wet in Dortmund. He takes them to Acarunia, shows them the beach. He's lucky, because that's basically the only day of the year in which it doesn't rain. Yes, and as soon as he's taking off, the rain clouds come down. I feel like you've told that story before. I think I might have It's worth telling more more than once, unfortunately, because you have. (laughs) Um, 20 teams then uh, in uh, La Liga for this season, and those 20 teams were Albacete, uh, uh, Atletico, Barca, Celta, Depor, Lleida, Mm. Yay so they had, they had been they'd been promoted the the previous season mm. and that was 53 years after their only previous top flight appearance. Wow. Uh, Logroñés uh, as well. Uh, Osasuna, Racing. Racing are basically in every season that we've done. It seems like every time they're either getting relegated yes. or getting promoted or yes. something. Uh, Rayo, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, Sevilla, Sporting, Tenerife, Valencia, Valladolid and uh, Zaragoza. In terms of the format, it's worth mentioning as as well, relegation was a bit different in, mm, in those days. So that the bottom two teams went down automatically and then uh, the 17th and 18th place finishers played off against the 3rd and 4th place finishers from the Segunda yes. to decide if, if they went up or went down. Is that maybe a better way of doing it? I don't know, it's a bit messy though, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah, but you know, has that ever good. stopped? It's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite good in a way, yeah. It's first division against second division. You sort of get a sense of if they're well, really I, I, I guess potentially it means you know fewer teams getting promoted and, and relegated, which I, I quite like the fact you have more turnover, yeah. you have more different teams every year. It keeps, keeps things fresh. It certainly does. I mean, it's certainly fresher than this Popmobile. This, <laughs> right now. Quite a lot fresh. <laughs> it's getting quite steamy. Uh, this season is more or less all about the final day but we could we, almost fast forward couldn't we, we we could almost but you know instead of that we can we can we can talk about um certain things like 
the Clásicos, both Clásicos which Barcelona uh, won in an incredible performance at the Camp Nou, beating Real Madrid 5-0 in the first Clásico of the season, which was, to coin the Spanish phrase, an exhibition mm. from Romario, who scored a hat-trick and uh, two, two assists. Including the famous Cola de Vaca, where, where, where he turns Alcorta and basically snaps Alcorta in two. He, I mean, he does a terrible thing to Alcorta, yeah. really, I mean, but it makes it look so easy. Anyway, go and find the goal if you haven't seen it. It's the first of his... Uh, hat-trick in this uh, uh, extraordinary performance. Had there been, I mean, a sort of Manita like this before? I don't know. Obviously well, the previous the previous really famous one was 74, was, was the Cruyff-driven one at the oh, Bernabeu. Oh, yes. Okay. So yes. it's, what were we... 20 years. Yeah. Yes, no, 20 years on. I'm oh, sorry, this is 94, isn't it? 94, yes. 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 I'm mixing my... With time-travelling, Yeah, we are time-travelling. It's struggling. It's making, me, it's making me struggle. But, I mean, you mentioned Romario this season. Like, this was his season and how important yeah. he was to I Barcelona. I mean, it's just extraordinary that the, the touch and tight spaces, the big bum, the... Uh, the, the Sid's the, always been a fan of... You've got a type, haven't you? Sid just can't lie. definitely got a type. It's true. I didn't actually notice, yeah. but he does He yeah. does have... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he, so, but he was just extraordinary and, and it worked really well. Him and, him and Stoichkov, who in theory shouldn't have been great friends... Um, because they were very different in terms of personalities, and it was just brilliant. You've got this incredibly talented technical player in the area like Romario, who didn't like to train very much, but, but was brilliant in games. And then you've got Stoichkov, who was kind of a bit nuts and a bit wild and, and aggressive, and just a really brilliant partnership with a lot of other great players. And they obviously loud up in the team as well for the for the kind of the creativity. It does feel like as well this was a season with so much striking talent, even some teams that we haven't mentioned. So at Sevilla, you had Davos Shuke, who went mm. on to score twenty four league goals. At Valencia. You had Mijatovic, who went on to score mm, uh, 16 goals. Well, I mean, you can, you can go through the team, and actually, I mean, just, just go through the list of Pichichis. Listen to these names. So you've got Romario on 30, Sucre on 23, Codro on 23, whose son, uh, uh, mm. son's just gone to Atletico Bilbao, by the way. You've got Julian Guerrero and Cuco Ziganda. I feel like um, Julian Guerrero is a player who we've, we've probably never really talked about on any pod, but, I mean, he was a very significant player in Spanish football for a long time. superstar that then disappeared a little bit, but for three or four years, he was the Spanish golden boy. He was quite handsome. Very Mm. handsome. Everybody loved him. Boy next door. Extraordinarily talented. And as you say, you've got um, Selenko, who of course went and scored, I think, six times at the the Uh, World Cup. He was scoring five famously in one game. In one game. Stoichkov, Mijatovic, Bebeto, Hugo Sanchez, and scoring 20 goals for Real Oviedo, Carlos. Was he good? What a striker. Yeah? Yeah. Tough, aggressive, goal scorer, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, we hadn't mentioned Real Zaragoza, by the way, and this was the sort of the start of their, uh, well, I was going to say golden period. It didn't last particularly long, but obviously this was a very good season for them as they won the Copa del Rey. In and, charge, and they finished third in, and, in the league, and they their best finish, third. I think, for 20 years. Which, of course, is then what leads them to... Name from the halfway line. Let's, yes. not, let's not go into that season. No, I but, think we um, should. I think we should go into no, it in very great That was another detail. season. It doesn't come into this season. So. <laughs> but it started. It was born it started, in this It starts season. here, Al. We're dealing with it. Obviously, uh, it was Vicente Fernandez who was in charge of them. Victor. Vic, sorry, Victor Fernandez who's yeah. in charge of them. We, we talked about... Um, the, He's the, still the manager now. Yeah. I mean, we talk, I mean talk, he hasn't been there all that time. We should no, probably in, in our last yeah, episode, we, we, we mentioned um, young Javier Clemente in charge of Athletic at yeah. the age of 32. I mean, Victor Fernandez was 33, was the, the youngest coach in the league and sort of yeah, took the lead by, by storm. Everyone yeah. sort of fell in love with him and his team. Absolutely. Yes, as we said, they went on to finish third. They won the Copa del Rey and then the year afterwards, they won the, uh, the Cup Winners' Cup against Arsenal in the final. Uh, the goal scored by Naim, not quite from, from the halfway, the halfway line. line. Uh, also, uh, Gustavo Poyet was in this uh, Real mm. Zaragoza side, and yeah. he was um, he was quite a player as well, and also being a, a Spurs legend. 
It's a good, it's a good, good moment for Spurs, isn't it? <laughs> be aware that I can cut any of this out. <laughs> just, just bear that in mind. You might just be wasting your breath. Uh, should we get back to the to the, to the title race? No. <laughs> yes. I mean, a title race in which uh, Real Madrid weren't really in it. Uh, no, it was uh, it was Deportivo. I mean, I think Depol went. They went top um, out on their own from I think from match, uh, match 14. fourteen, and for basically the rest of the season they were sort of two or three points in in front, pretty much midway through the season. I think they were top three points ahead of ahead of Barca, and then it was Sporting and, and Madrid after that. But things really get interesting in the running, really, from around about match day thirty four onwards. That's when things start to get really really exciting because that's when Depol start to wobble yeah and Barcelona are really picking up momentum so Barcelona going to the final game of the week uh, final game of the season having won 11 of the previous 13 and drawn the other two so to, unbeaten in those 13 to give you games. some examples with, with 34 games played Depor were, were three points clear at the top then match day 35 they drew 0-0 match day 36 they drew 0-0 and both of those weekends Barca won their games mm. 4-0 so yeah Barca were flying mm. while Depol were, were starting and, to win and of course Johan Cruyff was starting to crank up the pressure at this point as well so Johan Cruyff is coming out publicly and saying look we're not playing very well but we're winning and we're winning quite well they are playing the best they possibly can and they're just about getting by at some point this, this will desert them he was really playing the mind games the great thing is that Arsenio was very good at uh, this kind of very Galithian, very Galithian. And listen to him, he's got a very strong Galithian accent and very Galithian in the terms of that, that kind of talk of sort of mysticism and not really giving straight answers. He yeah. was very good at dismissing I mean, the bullshit. When, when, when you're a wizard, you know, you're, well, in, you're, in, you're into mysticism, yeah, aren't you? Absolutely. But yeah, those points dropped meant that when we came to the last day of the season, that, that two or three point lead had been eroded and it was only a one point lead. So it is Barcelona against Deportivo going into the final day of the season. Before we um, talk about that final day, can I just mention how poor Real Madrid were in this, uh, in this season? Yes. Um, they lost 12 matches, which is more than Depor and Barcelona combined. Huh. They conceded 50 goals, which is more than Yeda, who went down. Wow. This e- sounds like Real Madrid the season that's just finished. <laughs> even, even Oviedo won at the Bernabeu. I mean, that, that, that was surely they, the final nail in the coffin for Benito Floro. They won 1-0, um, one of four teams to win at the Bernabeu that season. But the best of them, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. And of course, uh, I mentioned uh, old Benito. He was sacked in, in March. A certain Vicente del Bosque came in briefly to take... Uh, Caretaker charge until the end of the season, and then it was um, Jorge Valdano who took over for yeah. the next. The and next then, year. of course, Del Bosque would would take over again and eventually win the European Cup. But when Del Bosque did eventually take over and win the European Cup, Real Madrid, it was his third spell as caretaker, and it was the first time he publicly said, "I don't want to be caretaker. I want this to be done properly." To the final day, then right. this incredibly dramatic uh, setup. Saturday, the fourteenth <laughs> of May, nineteen ninety-four. A day that Deportivo fans will never forget. <laughs> that was quite good. Yeah. They, they were wearing. I mean, I was, I was looking back at images, and they were wearing that shirt that you love. It's yeah. that. It's that kit, isn't it? Yeah. You've got this kit. I've this Deportivo this kit. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. Okay, so set it up. Okay, so Saturday, fourteenth of May. The two games that we are interested in are Depor against Valencia at Riathor and Barca against Sevilla at Camp Nou. Now that game actually wasn't without incident because Sevilla led twice mm. in that game. Simeone and, and Suke put them in front, but. Barca ended up coming back to win 5-2. So that was that game. Meanwhile, at Rio Thor, it was nervy. It was very, very nervy right the way through, Sid, to the, the last few minutes of the game. Well, the last minute. Yeah. The last minute. Imagine this. You're a club. 
that has done something extraordinary. That all the way through the season, people are thinking, this can't last. That with five or six weeks to go, despite the wobble, people are thinking, wow, Depor really could win the league. This could actually happen. Was well, it a bit club- like Leicester? I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that is, that's probably quite a good way of framing it. With, I suppose, a slight difference. I mean, I, probably everyone in England did want Leicester to win the league. Yeah. But Depple were even more popular. Not just because they're not Madrid or Barcelona, but because everyone liked the way they played. They were defensively very, very strong, it's true. But they had that little flow of creativity up front. Because you've got people like Fran, who's, you know, who's local, who's been through the club at a, 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 a lower level. Who's, who, who's kind of, if you ever listen to him talk, he sounds like he's got a constant cold. And he kind of seems very kind of downplayed. You've got people like Donata, who, who, who there's a sense that, well... You know, is, is is he really that good? He comes in to be a centre back, plays in the middle of midfield. You've got Mauro Silva, who's been absolutely extraordinary. Bebeto, you know, you've got this team that everybody really, really likes, and then suddenly, wow, they're going to win the league. So they go into this final day, and it is—it's the last minute. They've been struggling to find a way through. They haven't been able to really break break Valencia down, and then they get a penalty. It's nil nil. It's nil nil. They get a penalty in the 89th minute. And the the awarding of the penalty when you watch the footage on TV, yeah. just the awarding of the penalty is is celebrated almost like a goal. Like the people are off the bench, they're Nando, running onto Nando, the pitch. Nando runs into the penalty area, gets tripped over, and everyone comes off the bench. And you're mm. right, runs onto the pitch. One person, Arsenio, is the one going. Calm down. We haven't scored this yet, and there's a good reason to think we might not score this. One of them is that Bebeto has already asked three weeks earlier to not take penalties anymore because he's missed a couple. He had missed two, again, one against Oviedo yeah. and one against Villa, yeah. I think. And he hadn't scored a single penalty all season. And so Arsenio is saying to him, look, it doesn't matter, just take him. It doesn't matter if you miss, but he doesn't want to. So he's no longer the penalty taker. The penalty taker, in theory, is Donato. Donato is not on the pitch. The man who is on the pitch, who gets to take it, is Jukic who when he leaves home in the morning, his wife says to him one thing. Well, I imagine she said more than one thing. But the last thing she says to him is, if there's a penalty, don't take it. What? Yep. Seriously? Yep. I mean, and when you see him stepping up to take the penalty, you can see that in his head. Oh like, he God. looks like the world's least confident yep. wow. man. And Donato, said, Donato admits that he's been taken off, that he's on the touchline, and he says, I start having, a, in his words, I start having a conversation with God. So what is going on here? What is happening? How is this happening? Please, please let us get through. And he steps up, and as you say, he looks. Djukic looks like a man yeah. who knows who's he's not going to score this penalty. You can, from the run-up, you can tell sometimes, can't you? And this yeah. is definitely one of those. And he said he does admit that you know he's running up, thinking, "Do I just whack this? Do I place this?" And of course, in the end, what happens is he kind of gets caught between two, maybe three, maybe fifteen ideas, and it's an. Awful it's, it's, it's a really bad penalty. He hits it low. It's not right in the corner. It's too, it's too close to the goalkeeper. It's not hard enough. The keeper goes the right way. He, well, gets he, just, down he just gathers it. That's, that's the yeah, thing. He doesn't even have to dive very yeah, far. He doesn't it's, have to palm right it away. He yeah. hangs on to it. That yeah. tells you how, yeah. how soft it is. And it's, it's Jose Luis González Vázquez, by the way, who only ever played 12 times for Valencia. Yeah, he wasn't the first choice keeper, He's not was he? the first choice keeper. He is playing this game because the first choice keeper has been suspended for a red card, I think, either the week before or two weeks before. Mm. So you've got this scenario where it's not the right goalie, it's not the right penalty taker, <laughs> and it's... For the league title. <laughs> for the league title, for the first ever league title for a team that everyone in Spain, apart from Barca fans, is absolutely desperate to score. Uh, what's amazing as well, watching the, the footage, is that when the penalty is saved, there's almost no time at that point to react because Gonzalez takes a quick throw and throws it out and play continues. And it's almost like there's then sort of the delayed reaction comes 
when the final whistle mm. goes, which isn't very long afterwards, as you as you say. But before he throws the ball out, he celebrates. Mm. Yeah, he clenches his fist, doesn't he? Does a kind of like clenches in the air there's like a, an uppercut. There's a there's a nice interview with him where he says the only thing I regret. Obviously, I don't regret saving it. That was my job. So the one thing I do regret is the celebration. He said, but you know, I wasn't playing very much, and that was the the, the kind of competitive spirit in me, mm. not the desire to screw up their league title because Valencia had nothing to play for. By the way, this isn't this isn't like um, well, this isn't like Valencia denying Real Madrid the league in eighty two eighty three. It's, it's very, very different. Well, it, it turns out they did have something to play well, for. Well, so this is exactly, and it then gets revealed that they get a 50 million peseta bonus from Barcelona for not losing to Depor. Barcelona had offered them the win. In fairness, it is a win bonus or a, or a get a good result bonus. They've not been bought off in that sense. It's the old Malatine thing. The whole argument in Spain was, which is always, well, if you're not being paid to lose, it's okay. I'm not sure if it is okay, but the money was supplied at a service station, uh, I think, the following week. And that was admitted a few years later, which is one of the reasons why you get the development of what we've talked about before, this slightly strange rivalry between Depor and Valencia, mm. because Depor always hated Valencia for this. And the following season, mm. Depor win the Copa del Rey final against Valencia, mm. which is the hailed off final where the hails come down, they stop, they come back the next day to play 10 minutes, Depor go for Valencia and beat them. And they were rescued by the by the hail, they really were, because they were under pressure from, from Valencia, they were going to lose that final, and they won it. Should we take this moment back to the Camp Nou? Yes, what was okay, going on so, there? Exactly, well this is the thing, this is obviously a, a two-stage play, if you like. And so you've got, you've got Deportivo <laughs> winning it, uh, sorry, not, not winning it in, in Acarunia. You've got Barcelona, who are winning 5-2 against Sevilla, they're playing out the final minutes, and the way their players tell the story, it goes silent at the Camp Nou. Goes silent in the Camp Nou, and there's this moment. Michael Laudrup says that even some of the Sevilla players stopped. They had the ball literally stopped. What's happened? And this is kind of something's going on. There's a penalty in the last minute in the other game. I can't believe it. At this stage, there is virtually no one on the on the Barcelona bench. All of the subs have gone down to the dressing room to watch a Depor game. They are not out on the pitch. <laughs> And everyone goes silent and they wait and they kind of play on but while they wait and then there's this huge roar and the Camp Nou goes up and they know the penalty's been, been, been missed and the subs come running up the tunnel <laughs> and out onto the, onto the side of the pitch and everyone's celebrating going wild and thinking, I don't believe it, we've got away with it again. Wow. What a way to win a league it's, title. It's extraordinary, the footage. You should have, have a look at the footage. It's, it's really quite something. That is... Uh... That is the most dramatic final day, isn't it? I mean, we've said this about... Well, as I say, for a single kick, you know, the whole thing resides, you know, rests on that single kick of Dukic and Dukic misses. And, you know, obviously what that that has, recriminations for for Donato, who was off the pitch, recriminations for Bebeto, who says, you know, I might have missed two. If I'd taken it's it. quite hard, hard to watch even when you see after the final whistle at, at Rear Thor the players are trying to get off the pitch some fans have sort of run onto the pitch and you can't tell if are they going to console the players mm. are they going to like punch them like, mm. it's not entirely well in the clear. end they do do the celebration so, so Deportivo celebrate at the fountain of Cuatro Caminos the fans after this kind of a momentary as you say a momentary what do we do and the fans decide, you know what, we're going to celebrate this anyway. So they, they spend all night at Cuatro Caminos um, celebrating. And there's a, there's a moment where I think it's Donato and Mauro Silva in a car together. They drive past and what on earth is going on here? So they stop, obviously, in, from in the car to watch this happening. Depor's players have got this um, celebratory meal booked, which is obviously natural. And they go and have it anyway. Mm. And no one really knows whether to celebrate or not. But some of the footage of it, there is some singing and there is some cheering. And, of course, there's a big attempt to kind of... Um, back Jukic to cheer up Jukic and Jukic talks about this as being in a way the moment that reaffirmed his love for Depor not mm. the other way around because there's this phrase that gets used which is Jukic de Kiroi Wal 
you know, I love you just the same as as I always did. You know? I love you anyway. Yeah, I love you anyway. That's a better, mm. better translation. Yeah, I love mm. you anyway. It ended then with Barcelona and Depor level on points yeah. at the top of the table. That's how close it was. It really was that one kick. Yes, uh, but uh, Barca with a better goal difference, or is it head to head? I think it's overall goal difference, but I might be wrong. Yeah, I, I think it was goal difference. Uh, Zaragoza finished third, as we mentioned. Their uh, uh, excellent season for them on 46. Real Madrid on 45. An athletic uh, club uh, on uh, on 43. Uh, bottom, uh, well, Raya went down after uh, a three-game playoff. So talking about these playoffs, it was Raya against Compostela. Um, they were level after having played home and away because there were no away goals. They had to play a third game, which I think was in Oviedo. Oh, I didn't know that. I think, okay. I think it was, and that and Rio went went down. Valladolid stayed up after beating Toledo in a playoff. Imagine wow. if Toledo mm. had uh, had come up. Uh, Yeda and Osasuna were the bottom two. They uh, they went down, and we had uh, Espanyol, Betis, and Compostela uh, promoted to the Primera División. So there we go. Obviously, focusing mainly on that final day and that final uh, drama, final kick. Final kick. Super kicks. Super kicks. Just <laughs> Can you one kick, kick it? No, he can't. No, he couldn't. Aww. And his wife knew it. That's amazing. She knew. That mm. is incredible. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for uh, listening. I got a little bit carried away there. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back with the final episode of uh, Super Seasons uh, in a couple of uh, weeks' time. So make sure you join us for that one. Adios. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.